Heard at Sports Radio every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. On Thursday's show, we'll have staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman. We'll talk the odds with our Vegas insider, Brian Edwards. Catch it up with senior writer for Huskers 24-7, Michael Brunts, and Nebraska women's basketball head coach, Amy Williams. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports. Heard at Sports Radio with Ravi Lula and Damon Benning. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Wednesdays here, midweek edition at Tail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're doing all right. Plenty of time for you today to get into the stream or chat. Numbers to dial up 489-1240, 489-1240. Across the state where you hear us, 1-800-825-5865. Watch the show, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Easy to do. Marcus Satterfield just spoke probably about 15 to 20 minutes ago. Some reaction and some comments from Satterfield. We'll try and get that turned around for you. What does Nebraska do at quarterback Saturday? Well, stay tuned. <laughs> I know you have a thought. I know you have a thought out there based on turnovers and performance, but the reality is uh, Jeff Sims is going to practice tonight. Sims will practice tonight. How does he look in said practice is going to do a lot for what Nebraska decides at quarterback. That is fine. That is absolutely fine with me and uh, we'll see. We'll see what Sims's ankle is like. You can email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. Find me, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Mike Babcock, Mr. Husker Football, going to be with us in about 20 minutes. Evan Bland in hour two at a jock dock on one and only Aaron Rodgers. So we dive in. Quick note before we dive into football in Satterfield. You did it last night watching ESPN. You stood up and applauded champions. You applauded Nebraska volleyball. You applauded John Cook. You applauded what was a long time in coming of that dish served cold. Little Revenge and Stanford and their artwork, if you remember, about the whiteboard. And you had a butt whooping last night as Husker Volleyball tweeted out timber. You got that axe going. You chopped that tree down. You won three cents to one. And you had a bunch of freshmen that are out of this world, talented, thrive in a moment that only Nebraska Volleyball can do. You want to talk big stage, big moment, right? We, we've hit on that for Nebraska football. Is 8 million plus saw Nebraska-Colorado last Saturday. Well, uh, according to, to social media, 
You had 466,000 tune into Husker Volleyball last night v. Stanford. That beat the Yankees-Red Sox game by about 40,000. Well, who the hell wants to watch the Yankees this year? (laughs) Junior. (laughs) But no. But more people want to watch a winning product. It's as simple as that. You do. You want to watch a winner. And you saw two historic volleyball programs. You saw two teams that will fight their way to the Final Four yet again. Uh, You saw a team that went down and swept Texas, which is one moment in time you can be a Stanford volleyball fan. And uh, then Nebraska just handed it to them. It was incredible. And, you know, you're not surprised because of the excellence that is developed, that is recruited, that is coached, and then that is on display for Husker Volleyball. So we're going to take a minute to start off with the champions and a team that's got a real real threat to, to make another run despite their age, despite their inexperience. Cook just finds uh, studs to, to get out there, rotate in, and uh, you're led by Lexi, and it was awesome. I don't know volleyball. Jacob Badilla knows volleyball. He was on with Damon this morning and killed it as always. And we'll, we'll talk to Jacob later this week if, if we can. But just watching it and, and just smiling about it as a Nebraska fan, you can take your, your and put your fan hat on, guys and gals, and go, that's just an elite product right there. And what a cool moment for Nebraska to go out there and just own it and just, and just, just deliver. It's really cool. You're waiting for that to happen in football. Well, it's, 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 it's John Cook and the championship mentality that he has in building that program. There are great players that have played a lot of volleyball for Nebraska over the past couple of years that are barely getting on the court anymore. And it's because John Cook has said, you know what? I'm going to bring in the best. In talent. The you be- want to win your job? You, you want to keep your job? You better win the job. Dare I say, John Cook is bringing in the Louis. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to go to prime one week. No, I'm no, sorry. no. He, I'm sorry. But he, he, like, is, he is bringing Louis quality. Yes. And it, it doesn't matter how much you've played for that Husker volleyball program. It's John Cook saying, I don't care how much you've played for me. I'm going to put the best players on the floor. And damn, Harper Murray? Yes. A freshman? Mm-hmm. You could argue was the best player on the court last Big night. Big time, and and like you know when and you the, have all Americans on the, that floor, you have people who have been playing in Final Fours, and Harper Murray, the true freshman, might be the best the best one out there. Well, she is incredible. She, I loved watching Alec patrol the net. She's I mean, fantastic. She's, and she's the incredible. She brings big time. I love her personality, but but when you talk about Harper, I mean, my God, the, the footwork, the the, the side to side agility, it and then brought just the power, just it, the it, power. It, man. it brought back. <laughs> Horror, horrific memories of of mine when one of us in the room is trying to make the Southeast baseball team and they're making you go side to side like you're a middle <laughs> infielder, <laughs> right? And, and and that didn't work out for me ever, and I didn't it didn't deserve to work out for me ever. I was never going to make that baseball team, but I tried the the old track around Prosh Activity Center oh, with yeah. the off season running. Yeah, <sighs> some of us had friends out on the hill back in the day. So I blamed the second hand. All right. So the, the off-season running program was no good. And then they, they see the, the lack of agility and side-to-side movement to, to play. Your arm sucks, son, but we're going to try and put you at second. <laughs> so it's an easier throw. So now, now you're up on the track. I did some of those baseball workouts back in high school oh, around the track. Where they, it's like the shuffle into the full sprint. Yeah, into the and stop just and, yeah. no good. Yeah, no, no good. It, it wasn't good for me just, when I was fat either. Right. Well, but at least you it were. helped me. At least you were heavy. I got better. But no, that Husker volleyball team, that match last night. The side to side, the lateral quickness is where we've we got to get back on the tracks. Yeah, yeah back, and, and Harper Murray is fantastic there. But just my main takeaway from last mm-hmm. night is I knew this Husker volleyball team was good this year. 
holy cow, last night raised the ceiling in terms of my expectations for what this team can be this year. Because you saw all the freshmen, you kind of wondered, is this going to be a year where they're getting their feet wet and, you know, it's a Final Four and you're going to be happy with that? But last night, like, showed me this this team's goal – just from the outside looking in, how they treated that match last night. This team wants an national championship. Well, it's, a, it's a mentality. It, it is. You've got the ability, but to, to harness that ability and have the mentality at this age is great. Brian chimes in. To have four freshmen in your main eight rotation and to see their ability was, was pretty amazing. Cook wants another natty. Just, just lay it out there. He always wants a natty, but he's got a team to do it. So, And, and dare I say, I hate to go here because it's way premature, but following Volleyball Day in Nebraska – with the talent he has, if it is a national championship this year or next year, does John Cook think about going out on top? Because you would be laying whoever you're, you're handing the program off to, they'd be in good hands with the amount of young talent that this team has. That's also another place in my mind. I know it's way premature to say that. I'm not saying that I have any inside information or whatnot. You just think about... He, wants, Cook, he, he wants one or two more before he, he goes yes. off to, to feed his cattle. But you also know it's important to him to make sure the volleyball program's in, in the right hands whenever he moves on. Sure. And I think you have a freshman group right now that by the time they're juniors or seniors, you'd feel good handing off to the next incumbent and say, hey, I'm going to leave you talent. You're going to be great. You're going to be a national championship contender next year with the talent I have left you, and that's going to allow you to to continue off where I have left off in the recruiting process. You wonder about that if if John Cook has some of that in the back of his mind now with this young talent that he's got. But it's it's premature to be saying all that. All I know is this Husker volleyball team is a bunch of killers, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think there's only a handful – of teams in the country that can come close to what this Husker volleyball program is, and they're firing firing on all cylinders as they were in the first two sets last night. I'll say this: uh, you have a different situation when you hand off you you were to hand off championship level teams, and you've seen it be seamless because of the talent makeup, and then just the team having ownership. It's player-led. You hear coaches talk about that all the time. You've seen it in football, two instances, Dennis Erickson, Larry Coker at Miami. Uh, you, have, you go from, from Jimmy Johnson to, to Switzer in the NFL. Barry always jokes about, well, hell, you could have got somebody off the street to coach that team. It was my job not to screw it up. In Nebraska's case, his assistants are elite. They're really talented as well, and, and – We'll see. Uh, we'll see if Nebraska can get it done. But off, so far, so good uh, for Nebraska volleyball. Husker football on our mind. We'll get there now. And Mike Babcock in about 10 minutes. So the quarterback situation isn't clearer, but it, at least you kind of know what Nebraska's thinking. And we'll hear from Coach Satterfield here in two seconds on the quarterback situation. But what is real is kind of a TBD to be determined. What does Sims do tonight? How does he look? How does he feel? His health is prominent, most important. I know there's a loud clamoring for Harburg. I know there's some thought on Chubba Pretty. And I don't think it's really that big a question. Who do you go with if Sims can't go? And I think you go with Harburg. I think you go with Harburg because I think you can design a passing game well enough to suit his abilities throwing it. But I think you're going to win football games moving forward with quarterback run with a one-two punch behind this offensive line with quarterback and eye-back run with zone read with, excuse me, with some option, with some, some design quarterback usage. So here is 
the response because immediately when Satterfield went to the podium, he was asked about Sims and the quarterback situation. Uh, uh, we held him out on uh, yesterday's practice. Just he got mental reps and you know fall around the huddle and everything. Uh, expect him to be out there tonight and you know go as full speed as he possibly can. Yeah, so he's not a guy that went much this week. He is trying to go tonight. Cutter chimes in on what you do at quarterback if you're Nebraska. Cutter's take, and you can watch the show here, Hale Varsity YouTube channel. I think it's a terrible idea to have Sims play Saturday if he fumbles or throws the pick. The stadium will not hold back with their boos. Don't know if you can come back from boos and then cheers for your backup. Um, yeah, the the not everybody at Memorial Stadium Saturday night is going to unload on a quarterback if he makes a mistake. Uh, or a couple of mistakes. Because guess what? All three quarterbacks in this equation could make a mistake or two or three. It would be Harburg's first start. Purdy's been turnover prone. And then Sims has got his history through two games in the rule era. Yeah, you're restless because you're not wrong in the in the instance of what's kept this football program from being one and one or better hasn't been the defense hasn't necessarily been the special teams and and it's not necessarily even been the running game it's just been management it's been fundamentals it's been taking care of the football and i think you're going to see some some anthony grant on saturday night i think i hope you see sims i would like to see more harburg but i i, I think it's only fair I'm not really honestly i'm not trying to talk out of both sides of my mouth i don't think you can you can walk away from a kid after two games. I, I think. I think in game, if he if he if he's healthy and he goes because he's going to try like heck to go. If he makes a mistake, you you got to coach him through it. And I appreciate this staff to do that because I think if he eventually settles down, and I'm. Not sure he'll change what he is. He may just be turnover prone, despite the athleticism. I think if if you can fix it and fix him, I think you've got a weapon that's got an arm and got some ability, got some some toughness. You've got likability. I mean, guys want to play with him on this football team. I don't think it's fair to Harburg to just keep him or pretty off to the side and, well, they just got to live with the turnovers. No, at some point, for the betterment of the team, you got to make a change. But I don't think you give up on your starter, the guy who won the job this soon. So I hope he's healthy because I want to see him play and I want to see if he can play and get in a rhythm and get comfortable and, God forbid, have a turnover-free football game. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the key for Sims. I do think, as it stands today, we've we've learned that Sims is going to hope to go. I think we're we're moving towards Sims being your starter on Saturday. On one hand, if it is Harburg that that trots out there first on Saturday night, I'm not going to say that's, that's that'll the wrong be fun. Decision. That'll be cool. I I would agree with the decision. I'd say, hey, you know what? Based on what you saw in the first two games and what you saw at Georgia Tech, Sims has shown you what he is. But on the other hand, it's a guy learning a new offense. And if you do throw the Georgia Tech not to the side, but if you keep it in the back of your mind more than forefront, you can look at the games and say, hey. You have played two Power 5 opponents who not many quarterbacks their first two games in a new system are going to be against Power 5 opponents. Both of those games, at least according to Vegas, you weren't the favored team. And yeah, he had some issues, but but I think 
if Sims is the guy, I can sit there and I can understand a decision to say, you have your opportunity against a team that you should beat, that you shouldn't be having any errors against in Northern Illinois. If you can go have a mistake-free game against Northern Illinois, you earn the right to go play against Louisiana Tech. If you don't, we're going to go to Harburg. I I think it's as simple as that. By the time you get to these two games, these tune-up games, it's just what they are. It's a chance to tune up. You've learned your lessons from the first two. Now you get to go implement them on the field. If you haven't learned your lessons from those first two, if you're still making the same mistakes, I think that's... From a coaching perspective, an understandable reason to say, you know what, we're going to give you the chance now, but if you can't do anything with that second chance we've now given you, it's time to move on. You can't leave him out to dry, and you can't leave the rest of the team out to dry and put a win in jeopardy. If if he is in his decision-making and management keeping this thing close, got to make a change. But... You shouldn't lose your, your starting job due to injury either. So we'll see where they go. We'll see how we practice this tonight. Mike Babcock next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio with you on a Wednesday. Presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Mr. Husker Football. Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter with Hale Varsity. Babbers, how we doing? I'm doing okay. I'm taking notes as always. Um, I agree with uh, everything you guys have said, uh, <laughs> even when it's contradictory. You know, it's like uh, talk to me about the contradiction because part of me wants to see Harbor go because I think he may be a little bit better manager better decision maker, even though I have no proof of that. Part of me wants to to see Sims get another crack because of the upside, but can you can you be better? And all of this is still a question mark because can Sims go and and and, and be healthy enough to be effective on Saturday night? And and we'll know more about that tomorrow from Coach Rule because they're practicing tonight. Yeah, well, I think the health is is the is the question because I, you know, on Monday, uh, Matt Rule said that uh, Sims was the quarterback, mm-hmm. the number one quarterback if he's healthy. Um, you know, that was kind of a Tom Osborne type thing. It was emphasized: if you're the starter, you don't lose your position because of an injury. Come back from injury, you're you're the starter until you lose that job. Um, I like the observation. You know, he starts. Uh, against Northern Illinois, we see how he plays. Um, maybe he gets through it without mistakes and Nebraska wins as expected. Um, then he's the starter uh, for Louisiana Tech and you move forward. Mike, what do you what do you make of this with where the program's at at 0 and 2 and there's been so much, Shared blame, that's been a priority by Rule, by Sanderfield today. Everyone's taken up saying, I could do my job better. It's not all on Sims. And I think that's admirable and and probably true to some respect. But there's there's so much rallying around Sims and just quite honestly how the offense hasn't performed, guys trying to be accountable. Nick Babbers froze. Hello, Mike. There he goes. 
Well, in that the meantime, me we, we do have some more audio from Marcus Satterfield we can play while we wait for uh, Mike to, to rejoin us. We'll see if Babbers rejoins. More from Coach Satterfield here. Talks about the uh, the opportunity for Heinrich Harburg uh, this week and and, uh, and moving forward. It's an opportunity. You know, we, we try to iron sharpen iron mentality all the time, you know, through competition. So, uh, you know, they're preparing like they're going to be the starters, both of them, and they've had a good week so far. So that's big for Nebraska to have – Guys, get geared up, get ready. That's what you'll, you'll want. There's not many programs that can go out, cover a number, win, air quote, easily with your second or third team quarterback. Uh, Nebraska has done it in the past with some of their greater teams. Uh, this is a chance for that emphasis on development to really shine and show through. Mike, great to have you back. We just heard a little bit from Satterfield on on how the backups are gearing up and they're looking good. Yeah, well, and here's the other thing. You know, so you get to the Louisiana Tech game, and if you're going to have one of these uh, uh, backup, if Harburg, for example, is going to get an opportunity, um, you have to look at what happens after that. You know, Michigan, you don't, you don't want to throw one of those guys in there against Michigan starter up to that point so decision would have to be made i think if you know what after the northern illinois game whoever starts the the louisiana tech game is probably going to be the guy that you go with um at least for for michigan you don't want to throw somebody in there and really uh ruin his confidence against a team like that so so i think it's an important game the northern illinois game is important game for the quarterback and if, if Jeff Sims is healthy, uh, hopefully uh, he'll be the starter and we'll see how he can how he can do. Now, Micah, another thing to, to discuss here is the the impact of what Sims' injury could be on Saturday. Should he be, say, 90% with the ankle? Do you worry about taking away, as some people in our comments have said, taking away what the strength of his game is through that ankle and putting him in a tough spot? Because you talk about the confidence against Michigan – after guys already had two poor outings in his first two games as a Husker, if there are boos from the home fans or if there are calls from the fans for, for Harburg to come into the football game, could that be something that forever shakes a guy's confidence? Do you hold him out even if he's close to being ready or if you feel like he is ready just to avoid potentially hurting his confidence even more than it could already be shaken? No, I think if he's 100% healthy, you put him in there. If he's not 100%, then I think you're, you're in the situation that you're talking about. And I don't think it's probably a good idea. If he's not 100%, I don't think you want to put him in there because you don't want to aggravate that injury. Um, and the thing that he does best is run the football, which we saw he can do pretty well. Um, and you don't, want to, you don't want to put him at risk in that sense. But I think if, he's, if you feel like he's 100% healthy, I think you put him out there. I mean, it's a tough, tough call, but, uh, you know, you, you've got to – you got to, as best you can, block out the noise mm. and, and go with the guy that you think is your best shot. And it, it seems as if uh, up to this point, a healthy Sims is is the guy that they believe is the is the number one guy needs to be. And I guess the concern for me, Mike, not really a question, more of just an observation. What I know about football players, especially ones who might be worried about the guy behind them coming and taking their job, even if they're not 100% ready, they're going to tell the coaching staff they're 100% ready and they're going to want to go out in that football field because 
even though the coaching staff, and you hear it from a lot of coaching staff, say you're not going to lose your job because of injury. Is it actually the case if a backup comes in and outperforms what you've seen from this starter? It's easy to say it. It's harder to do it. And what I know about football players, especially guys like Sims that are gamers, even if they're not 100%, they'll say they're 100%, and they'll tell the training staff, I'm ready to go. You better tell the coaching staff I'm ready to go because I'm going to be out on that field on Saturday. That's where the concern comes from me is a guy being overconfident in that moment and saying, you know what? I am ready to go. I'm going to tell the coaching staff I'm ready to go, and they'll take it personally if they're not out there. Yeah, there's a possibility of that. I, I, I believe that. And here's the other thing I would say. In Northern Illinois, Oscars need to play well, but, you know, I'm figuring that this is going to be a victory. I think you have to have a plan going into the game that if Sim starts, regardless, at some point, Harburg is going to go in there and get significant snaps. Uh, and and maybe in the second half or in the fourth quarter, uh, Purdy's going to go in there and get some significant snaps because you want those guys to have that opportunity. You know, that's a that's and I'm going back to an Osborne thing here. You know, that was uh, what you tell me what you're talking about here with the booze reminds me of the Central Florida game uh, when Scott Frost was the quarterback and Osborne had pre-planned to put Frankie London in for a series when it mattered, and I think in the second quarter. So Frost starts out, second quarter, in comes Frankie London. He leads the Huskers down to a touchdown, and then, as was the plan, Frost comes back in. He gets booed. The fans boo because Frankie London took him down and, and they scored a touchdown. Um, and I, that's why I say you've got to be able to block out the noise, but – you also have to go into this game, I think, with a plan that you're going to get your backup quarterback in there when it matters. Give him an opportunity, even if it's one series. And then as you get control of the game, hopefully, you get the second team guy in there, and then you move on, and at some point you get that third team guy in there and get him an opportunity. The same thing is going to happen in the Louisiana Tech game, the way I project it, but you never know. I mean, Depends on how the game goes. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, what is the leash like on Sims? Say he's healed up, he's 100%, he's been cleared, he's ready to go, and there's still problems. Uh, either it's the stage or the trying too hard or just a flat-out bad decision uh, when it comes down to fundamentals, taking care of the football, throwing a pick, fumbling whatever the case may be. He stays what he's been through his career, and that's turnover prone. How much more do you ride with him, uh, Mike? And, and it goes back to what Rule said. Yeah, he's our guy, but he's got to take care of the football. What's the breaking point? Right, and if, if it starts out quickly the same way that it has been with the mistakes, I think you take him out, and you put Harburg in, and you take – Sims on the sideline and you say, just calm down, you know, relax, think about it, you know, readjust, whatever, adjust, and you go with Harburg, give him an opportunity. I mean, I think you have to do that um, at some point because, again, you've got to get prepared for the conference season and you got to know what you're going to be doing when conference time comes. And you've got, I think, again, I'm projecting, you've got two games here where you can make that decision. You can think about what you have. 
Mike, about 90 seconds here. What are you encouraged about with this football team where they can maybe flip it as the season moves forward and still get to postseason? I like the defense. I like the defense, and I like the fact that they're running multiple guys in there on defense. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a really strong point when you get into Big Ten play if you can play defense the way Nebraska has. But the thing is, you have to help that defense a little bit by not turning the ball over, by punting the ball well and setting the offense, the opposing offense back so that they've got a ways to go. Um, but that's the thing that has really been uh, significant, I think, the defense. I thought it would be good, but I think it's really good. Um, and I and I like the way they've got some young players that are filtering in there as well and, and, and making a difference like Glenhart. Mike, they, they do have young guys that are that are thriving right now in their roles that will look to expand. Mike, tell folks a little bit about the, the newsletter you're doing here, bud. Uh, well, I do a couple times a week. I do a newsletter and uh, uh, for Herd At Sports under Hale Varsity, and uh, I really enjoy doing it. The first one is always history. The second one is related to the to the upcoming game. So um, it's a it's an enjoyable. Uh, Thing that they allowed me to do and where can people find that i said a pretty substantial things when i wasn't on the air here <laughs> well i know you always you were, <laughs> that's well, the we'll only just... things that i said that were good you know no, you're always good we love you well quickly mike 10 seconds where can people find that newsletter um you just uh it, it comes to you free i mean if if you uh email me and i'll make sure that you get on the li- mailing list i love it mike we'll talk uh, saturday bud thanks for the time thanks for having me guys and now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mike Babcock. That email again, you want the Mike Babcock newsletter, Mike B at HerdAntSports.com. I get it in my uh, inbox. It's awesome. And uh, Babbers, uh, Mr. Husker Football. So we will check in and get to a lot of your stream comments. Uh, more of your emails, Chris at AleVarsity.com. Let's finish with Satterfield here. He talked a little bit about uh, what determines Sims if he gets on the field, uh, his health. He'll practice tonight. A little bit more, Elijah, with uh, Sims and Satterfield. And there's there's a lot of apprehension, a lot of tension with Nebraska fans right now just in general with the, the OC and the play calling, the the offense, uh, I, I like that they are committed to the ground and you're looking for more, a lot to be desired in the passing game, but I think it can be there. I think you've got a couple of tight ends you can try and wear defenses out with. I think you got a guy like Kemp that's got enough shake and bake. The over the top or take the top off guy, is, is still a freshman. You've got some options. But what can you do throwing the football, and can your offensive line play get better? Let's uh, get to Satterfield here. You've heard about Sims. You've heard about Harburg. This was Satterfield being asked about Sims' struggles. Uh, you know, it's easy to say, well, just catch the snaps. But I think it goes back to what we talked about last week. Like, I've got to continue to do a better job coaching him. You know, it's we have to – catch the snaps and what I mean by that is like we have to 
have you know we have to work during the week with more crowd noise. Like I've, I've got to do a better job of making sure that we're utilizing uh, certain snap counts. You know, with the motions and stuff that we use. I've got to be smart with uh, the play types, with the motions and stuff that we're using, especially down in the student section when it got really loud. I think you know all that kind of comes into play. Um, so I think you know is this one of those days where. There was all kinds of factors of, of why the ball wasn't getting caught, you know, from from the shotgun alignment, and I think that you know we'll improve on it. And I think, but it's all of us; it's not just Jeff. Again, I, I appreciate, and you're supposed to, but I appreciate having your quarterbacks back, and it's been a unified message, and uh, that that message needs to turn into, you know, some meaning. Whether he's back there or not, they got to get better quarterback play. If it's Sims, or if it's somebody other than Sims due to injury, but I get why you went out there uh, and and went after a guy like Sims because you always think you can do better, right? And, and we had a comment in yesterday from Matt that said that Sims is like trying to turn lead into gold. I don't agree with that necessarily, but I like the analogy with the gold. I'm going to go there for it, a It's second. looking a lot like lead right now. I, no, I want to dive into this. What Do Jeff it. Sims is, is Jeff Sims is one of those rivers that the, the miners in 1849 went to looking for gold. That's what Jeff Sims is. Yes, there is gold in Jeff Sims. We're going Deadwood here. Yeah, we're going Deadwood, 100%. 100%. There is gold in that river. There is gold in Jeff Sims. Can I play Al Swearinger? Sure. Have you not seen the, the show? No. All right. No, over my do you, head. Do, you, do yourself some favor. No, over my head. And, and, and check out some Deadwood clips on, on YouTube. Okay, but anyway. Keep back, talking. Back, I interrupted. Back to the analogy here. Jeff Sims is a, a flowing river that there is gold in. And as of right now, what, you, what, what Nebraska is, is Nebraska is trying to go into that river, and they're trying to pan for gold and get themselves enough to make a nice gold watch. That's what you want. You want Jeff Sims to be able to, to take the gold out of it, turn it into a nice gold watch for your offense. But right now, the river is flowing too fast, a, and you're getting I'm a, I'm swept away. I'm a silver away. white gold guy. Okay, Rick okay, Hayman. Mr. Uppity. Okay. Okay. Back to the point again. You're just trying to distract me here. The river is flowing too fast right now. So what I think the task oh is for the Husker offense is to set up your offense in a way Create some dams in that river. Slow down the flow of the water so you can pan for enough gold that you can turn it into a watch. But right now, the river's flowing too fast with the turnovers. Slow it down. With the issues you're seeing, you need to slow it down. You need to find a way to get that gold out of the river because there's enough to make a watch. You can make a lot of money. But you got to find a way to get that gold out of the river first. Right now, Nebraska can't get water or can't get gold out of that river. Uh, Brennan from the Black Hills says it's like turning water into wine. So if that happens, can we get hammered Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's there's a lot right now of a a a drinking town with a football problem mindset going on. With Nebraska football. That's that's funny. That's pretty good. More from Satterfield and his frustration level uh, real high. But I like the analogy. I like what you painted there. If you can just slow it down, you're gonna you're gonna make some money. Well, it's, it's Jeff Sims is the same reason why all those miners went out to California in 1849. You hear about hope. the promise of gold, the hope, what you can do with it. You're going sight unseen, and there is. You know, there's gonna be gold out there, and there's gold inside Jeff Sims. You see the arm talent, you see the legs, you see what he can do whenever he has the ball in his hands. The question is, is that decision making, and that's what's what's washing you away right now. The, the decision making is the river being too fast, and you can't get enough gold out of it to turn it into a watch. I always got just destroyed. Growing up with Oregon Trail, trying uh-huh. to cross the river. 
never ended well. See, I never packed enough fruit, and I'm getting dysentery or scurvy or whatever. Sure, right. Yeah, that was my problem. And, you know, we could have gone more on the Oregon Trail with buffalo hunting last week, but it didn't work out. Uh, More from Sims here when it comes to struggles. After two games, I'm very frustrated, you know, with just the the ball security. It kind of... It kind of just takes hold of everything that you've done. The good, you know, we've done some really, really, really good things offensively, especially running the football, the quarterback run game. Uh, you know, guys are getting better each week, but it just it's clouded by the turnovers. And so we've got to fight. I don't know if I'm not answering your question, but we have to fight like hell to to win the turnover margin and stop doing. You know, we're not giving ourselves a chance to win. You know, playing great defense, playing great special teams, playing good offense, but you, when you turn the ball over like that, you have no shot. Fair point. Rhett chimes in. I hate hearing year one stuff about this coach. Nine million a year isn't year one. Need to produce. I don't know that all Nebraska fans agree with you there. Now, I think you're right, Rhett. Thanks for the, the comment that you're making a hell of a lot of money to, to not be 0-2. I, I totally understand that because you should be 1-1. One one. Could be 2-0. But 0-2 should not be part of the equation based on where things were at. Colorado was winnable for a half. You get any help, you're up 3 nothing. you're tied 3-3, it's 10-7, whatever the case. But if, you, if, if, if events go better, and I'll get off Colorado, I know, time to turn the page. But you have some things go your way where you don't screw it up yourself. You have the lead going into halftime and it's a different ball game. And your defense isn't out there exhausting themselves and then they can't answer for you at the level they've been when you cut it to 13 to 7. And, and, and my thing is is there's still a lot of season left. There's still 10 games left where if you see improvement, even if it's not a bowl game, would you as a Husker fan be happy if this team goes from turning over four times a game down to one or none by the end of the year and hey, you, you still can't get over Wisconsin or Iowa, but this team looks a hell of a lot better. They play a lot better. They don't tighten up in the fourth quarter. Could could this season still be a success without a bowl game? That's kind of what I've been trying to wrestle with. I, over the I past don't think so. so. I don't think. I think you can. I think you can. You can see them get better, and they can put some wins together, right? But I think they still need to find their way to six. And that's where I come back to the nine million a year. That's I, that's I, I that's the price the of doing business for for football right now, and I know it's exorbitant. But you, you can't punt too soon, even though it's been a tough two, two weeks. You can punt. I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm saying I'm not ready to say, man, this ain't going to work yet. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, a ton of great comments to get to. We'll do that here. StreamYard for you, Hale Varsity YouTube channel, 489-1240. Chopper76, love the name. Uh, Our defense gives me hope. Hopefully we can keep our D.C. He uh, he is. He's done a great job. Well, we'll just fix that. Thanks for that. Uh, Two games. Tough to be patient. Roulade chimes in. Uh, Roulade five, seven, five. It's been two games. Being patient sucks, but we all knew this would be a slow burn if we're uh, contending for a conference title in year three, I think most of us would be happy. And I think Nebraska fans, let's not ignore the positives either. Uh, he had uh, Hunter held the 73 yards, no touchdowns. Yeah, that dude is a freak. That dude is a freak who does not like physical contact. Well, I think, think about how different the tenor around if you're Nebraska one and one. would be. 
if you're zero and two, but your second loss is to TCU instead of to Dion, who's also in year one, if, if you have a loss to another coach who's not in year one, I think the tenor just completely changes. What's what shifted the narrative in college football is now fans from across the country have seen. Well, you can do it in one off season. You can go to the transfer portal and you can make it happen. It doesn't have to be a slow a slow fix. We we talked all off season long about the the incremental progress that you wanted to see in the first year of rule, and the hope of that was it's going to be a bowl game. You're going to be good enough. You're going to make enough splashes in the transfer portal and with some freshmen that you're going to be good enough to at least make a bowl game. But then the the tenor shifts whenever you see a guy who that wasn't his expectation in year one, Deion Sanders at Colorado. His expectation in year one was to win and to win now. And he brought in some really, really good talent through the transfer portal to go and do that. And he kicked a lot of people off his football team to go and do that. And would that have worked around Nebraska? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's the type of guy rule is. And I don't think that's how Husker football fans want their program to be run. If you want to have a quick turnaround in year one, there are side effects. There are consequences that come from that. And I'm not sure Husker fans would have been Deion's the only guy in America that can do what he's done. I'd say the, the only. No, I, but, I mean it. I mean, that place in Colorado, there's a lot of places that have. Well, Mel, per- Mel Tucker did essentially the same in his first year at Michigan he, State. He, I know it's not he, a good week to he, talk about Mel Tucker. No, it's not. He flipped it, but he's also. You know, Mel was, <laughs> was supposed to be there for the long haul, right? With this flip and the Kenneth Walker acquisition, you go eleven and two. But Dion, I don't think Dion's long term in Boulder, and that, that that remains to be seen. But I'm just saying, sitting here saying that if you don't lose to Dion in week two, if you lose to anybody else in the country or anyone that's not a year one head coach, you feel a lot better about being zero and two. But it's because Prime did it in one off season that you sit back and you go, why hasn't it splashed for us? Why wasn't Rule able it's to do different the same? ways to skin right? And it, and it kind of just changed. I think what a lot of people with their perception of year one is whenever you see another coach doing it in year one, whenever that was never quite the role plan. I'm not defending rule because I think it should look a lot better than it does right now, especially in the offensive side of the ball. You put all your eggs into one basket with a quarterback that has been shooting you in the foot repeatedly so far this season. So you hope for improvement in that sense. And if it's not Sims getting improved, you hope it's a backup quarterback, but the sky is not falling. And I, I think that's always how Husker nation is after a loss is you're going to overreact and you're going to kind of come back. And there's some Husker fans coming back on the side of rule after hearing him speak this week, just in terms of, you know what? It needs to look, a bit. it needs to look different, yes. not self harm mm-hmm. with decision-making and some play calling, or at least the execution part. That's the, that's the PTSD part of this as a fan base is you're like, man, it's not different. You're losing the same way and you're, you're losing in a boneheaded manner with, uh, with simple fundamentals. There's fumbles. There's interceptions. There's why are you throwing it? I mean, that's the outcry. Why is, why is it still so painful? Uh, meanwhile, you got a defense that's good enough to, to hang with anybody in the country, and they're not getting any help. Evan Bland joins us. More of your comments, Hour 2 on the way with Hale Varsity. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. More thoughts from Coach Satterfield coming up here at 525. 
What happens with the Nebraska quarterback situation? Does Nebraska get in the win column? We say hi to Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland OWH. Evan, good to spend some time. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, guys. How's it going? It's good. And it's pretty lively in the discussion here in the stream yard with uh, the listeners giving their takes on things uh, with what should happen at quarterback, the problem with patience, the topic of patience rule. I mean, there's still plenty of upheaval and frustration uh, through two games. It was good to see out in Boulder and, you know, Nebraska trying to, to get things figured out. Brett emails in Chris at alevarsity.com. Just cover. Uh, Nebraska's favored by 11. So uh, a two touchdown win, but, it's pretty fascinating, and Nebraska is not a stranger to, to quarterback controversy, but I think Nebraska's had you know, steady quarterback play or at least manageable quarterback play for a lot of years. I think you got to go back and give David Harris credit with this comment to some of the Tanner Lee, right? The Tanner Lee era where everything that was thrown was deflected or to the wrong guy, and it was a pick six. Nebraska's got to get out of their own way of it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah, Tanner Lee, that's an interesting one. Early in the Taylor Martinez era, uh, you know, Adrian had his had his moments or his struggles, I suppose, too. Uh, but I, I think what's going on with Jeff Sims in a lot of ways is uh, heightening maybe the frustration of this 0-2 start because there are components of what Nebraska is doing that are encouraging. Uh, you know, the defense has looked pretty good, and I think you can see where that's going as this season moves along and, and into the future. And there are pieces on offense that you feel like are, are uh, at least serviceable. I mean, I think the offensive line has taken a step forward from last year. It's maybe not an asset, but it's not a liability, uh, maybe the way it was at times last year. You, you kind of could look around at some of the pass-catching weapons and see how it could work. Uh, you know, we saw what Thomas Fedoni did even with the game, uh, you know, out of hand late. He he was able to get that touchdown. So, like, there are pieces there where you can say, okay, Nebraska can find a path to winning games, but it's been just some of the some of the basic mistakes, taking snaps, uh, you know, have, throwing flat as opposed to putting some arc on a ball that lead to interceptions, things of that nature. And you know, Jeff Sims has shown. Why he's out there? He had that 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 long touchdown run against Colorado. Uh, he looked good in that regard with his legs uh, at Minnesota as well. And so you're kind of in this tough spot where, uh, you know, he's sort of your best chance to score points, while at the same time he's been the guy uh, who sort of uh, has given the ball away, and that's really undermined what they've been trying to do in terms of complementary football and and winning time of possession and things like that. So it's. It's a tough spot. We'll see if the ankle injury this week, uh, you know, plays a plays a role in that. It sounds like he's practicing this afternoon after uh, sitting out on Tuesday. So we'll see how it plays out. But it's really it does complicate, I think, the perception of how Nebraska is going to. Evan, there's an old saying out there that the backup quarterback's the most popular guy in town a lot of the time. And I think through two games, that's very true right now for Husker football. You kind of laid out some of the history when you go back through the past. Oh, in your decade of Husker football, which backup do you think has been the most popular guy in town? And where does Heinrich Harburg rank on that list as we stand right now? Because you go back and the names you think of, you think of Tristan Jevia, you think of Patrick O'Brien, you think of Andrew mm. Bunch, you think of Noah Vedral, you think of Logan Smothers, Chubba Purdy. The list just goes on and on of how many different guys Husker fans have called for. And for one reason or another, they 
have seen the field or they haven't seen the field. But where does Heinrich Harbour, you think, rank on that list based on where Husker fans are at right now? Uh, yeah, probably somewhere in the middle. You know, I, it's probably one of the, uh, I think, defining characteristics of the last decade, honestly, is that, yeah, I mean, some of those names that you mentioned, I suppose fans have clamored for. But really, like Taylor Martinez and Tommy Armstrong, like those were pretty clearly the guys. And if there were any criticisms at certain points, it was that there was nobody pushing them. There was no bona fide quarterback competition. So, like, I go back to, uh, you know, Jamal Lord and people clamoring for Joe Daly back in 2003, or when Daly was in there, people clamoring for Harrison Beck as a four-star guy in 2005. Like, that's those are the ones that kind of come to mind for me. Maybe Zach Lee, uh, you know, in, in 2009, 2010. Uh, that sort of range. But, you know, with Harburg, I kind of feel like we have a sense of, of what he is. Like, you know, you, you think back to the spring and how there was talk about, uh, you know, how his, his superpower, I think, as Marcus Satterfield said at the time, was being kind of a tough, versatile football player. And I think that's, uh, you know, what he is. Um, and coaches have been pretty upfront about the fact that, uh, if they're, if they're going to want to get into a lot of passing situations, that's probably more what they would turned to Chubba Purdy for with Harburg. You know, he's caught a pass already this year. Uh, he's a tough runner. Um, so I think kind of what his strengths are are, are somewhat well-defined. And, again, it's, it's maybe not fair to, to totally put him in a box because we haven't seen him outside of mop-up duty and some spring games. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know that there's a clamoring for him because he's – someone who's perceived to, to lead them uh, you know, forward and score a bunch of points. But if nothing else, maybe Harburg can be the guy who takes care of the ball. And, um, you know, again, I don't know that there's this delusion that, or perception that, that he's going to lead a bunch of, of, of scoring drives or, or what have you. Um, but, again, you look at how Nebraska's lost their two games and you take away those, those mistakes and those turnovers, and I think you can make a, a pretty – compelling argument that the defense and the special teams uh, would do their part and Nebraska would at the, at the very least be one and one at this point. So I can kind of see where that's coming from. But again, we'll see how uh, the injury plays into it uh, with Sims and, and whether that affects his availability on Saturday. Sam Keller, Joe Gans, to, to finish that thought on the backup oh, yeah. quarterback being uh, one of the most popular. There's so many. There's so many names because we didn't even talk Riker Fife. We didn't even talk Luke McCaffrey. There's been just so many names through, through the past <laughs> Bring ten in to the fifteen other years. Guy. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> you've been through the the ringer as a Nebraska fan here. So the defense is fantastic. They've looked good. They they wilted and gave up a lot of big plays in the second half. But that's going to happen. Uh, I think they get a bit of a pass because of of what the offense hasn't been. And I know, Evan, you were there with, with Satterfield. What do you make of, of his response today to some, some great questions just about the offensive rhythm, the, the, the quarterback, the – and I know he deferred some of it to, to Coach Rule, but just overall, what do you believe about his system and what he wants to do when it matches up with the personnel? Do you think he'll continue to mold, or is it going to be a situation where – there's sympathy cards sent by South Carolina fans to Nebraska fans this year. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a it was an interesting ten minutes or so with with uh, Coach Sat today. I mean, he he uh, didn't really mince words. He said, "Yeah, it it sucks right now. It's not fun. It hasn't been fun these last three days trying to figure things out 
I thought the thing that stood out the most about what he said was he was asked kind of what um, staples of the offense have have they been able to establish that they can lean on, whether that's the running game or, or what have you. And he didn't even want to go there. He's like, yeah, you know, through two games, the ball security stuff has totally undermined and, and, and put a cloud over any of the positives that they've done. And so, um, you know, I think they have had some positives. I mentioned the, the offensive line, and he said today that he thought the line was the most consistent uh, group in that offense. Uh, you know, again, we saw Thomas Fedoni make his first career catch. Uh, as he moves forward, they have some options in the passing game. Um, but but anything that they do, again, it just doesn't matter if you're giving up the ball and you're coughing up scoring opportunities. And so I think they're looking for uh, for some more playmakers, assuming that they can get the ball security stuff under control. You know, he mentioned how in his career he has at times been around offenses where uh, the, the snaps at receiver are dominated by like three guys, which is kind of the case with Nebraska right now. He said, yeah, it's not ideal. That's still something they're working through as they bring their freshmen along. I think uh, Jalen Lloyd and Malachi Coleman would be those guys um, you know, to, to step in as maybe the next men up if, if called upon. But it's just kind of a tough spot right now. I mean, you're uh, you're limited at some skill positions. Your quarterback hasn't been able to, to hold on to the ball. And, and he you know, repeated again today that, that it's not just Jeff Sims, but it's how, how to prepare him for crowd noise. It's how to uh, keep things in a rhythm, things like that. But there's definite frustration that they feel like uh, there have been some good things. But, again, what does it matter um, if you're not able to finish drives because you can't hang on to the ball? Evan Bland with us here from the Omaha World Herald talking Nebraska's offense, Jeff Sims on Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan, uh, I think one of the, the, the positive points that might get brushed under the rug a little bit has been Nebraska's rushing attack so far this year. I do think you've seen positives from Gabe Irvin and from that offensive line. It hasn't been perfect, but uh, I do think there's been a noted improvement from there last year. What do you want to see this weekend against Northern Illinois from that rushing attack in terms of taking some pressure off of Jeff Sims, taking some pressure off uh, the offense as a whole is being out the being able to go out there and, and overpower a, a team that you would think you'd be able to physically I- impose your will upon. Yeah, it feels like a group that uh, might be taking center stage on Saturday night. Even if Jeff Sims goes, you got to figure he's probably not a hundred percent or won't be with that ankle having not practiced Tuesday and stepping back in today. So uh, you know he'll probably do some some draws or some running. But this figures to be a game where you do lean more on Gabe Irvin. And, and, and to me, it feels like a game where maybe you get Ramir Johnson involved a little bit with a screen pass or a reverse or something like that. Uh, you can get him popping. And, and Satterfield said today Anthony Grant, too, uh, absolutely would be back in the mix after he didn't uh, get on the field against Colorado. So they have some weapons there. Uh, it'll be an interesting test because uh, Northern Illinois, for some of their struggles, uh, they have one of the better defensive lines that you're going to see certainly at the group of five level and, and maybe right in there with some that they'll see uh, even in Big Ten play. So uh, it's a challenging week where I think Nebraska wants to run. That's where their strength is at this point. That's probably their roadmap to winning games. Um, and so can they do it uh, against, again, a pretty decent front group that Northern Illinois is going to put out there. Uh, it, it seems like Gabe Irvin has certainly uh, taken hold of that number one running back spot based on his usage at Colorado. Um, but I just don't know, you know, again, what other path there is to, 
to sustainable victory for Nebraska. I think uh, it's got to start with the run and, and that offensive line giving them a, a holes to run through. Evan Bland with us, Omaha World, Harold at, at Evan Bland, OWH on Twitter. So what do you believe about the backups behind Sibs? What, what would you be confident in about Harburg? What are you confident in about Pretty? Well, I think Purdy uh, is getting back up to health based on what we've heard from the last uh, couple of days. Sounded like he had maybe a groin tweak, tweak almost two weeks ago. Um, so his his appearance at Colorado was a little bit more on a, an emergency basis, I think, because Harburg's helmet came off. So he's probably the guy, if you're uh, looking more of a pass-heavy approach, it seems like because of injury and, and skill set, he might be that third guy right now. So it does put a... a an opportunity out there for Harburg to show what he can do. And I think it's pretty clear uh, they like his ability to run. They like how, how tough he is with that, his versatility. Um, we saw a little bit of what he could do as a passer. I know the coaching staff was impressed by how he hung in the pocket and delivered a few balls under pressure uh, and, and took the hit uh, in order to uh, let the play play out a little bit more and for the receiver to, to get open. So, they, they feel confident, um, as they've said, about either of those two running the offense. I do think their skill sets are a little bit different from Jeff Sims. Um, if, if in no other way, then Sims is probably a more dynamic overall athlete mm-hmm. and certainly has uh, more college football experience than the other two. But, you know, I think as we've seen from the defense, which has played so many guys and, and some surprises have popped up maybe uh, just based on who's risen up in the game, I think this is an opportunity if it is Harburg uh, to go in and show what he can do because again we've, we've heard in practice, we've seen little bits and pieces here and there from the spring game and things um, but you know, who knows he could step in there and, and really impress and show what he can do too so if it comes to that uh, I think that would add, add to the intrigue of the Matt Rule home debut on Saturday night. Evan, about 90 seconds, little less. Drama Saturday night, or does Nebraska get it handled no matter what's at quarterback? I mean, I think Nebraska wins, but I don't think they win going away. This feels, honestly, Northern Illinois, in a lot of ways, is going through what Nebraska is going through, which is a pretty strong defensive start quarterback who's uh, not been the best of game managers, struggled to score, so this feels to me like a game where, you know, first to 20, maybe 22 or 23 wins. Uh, and, and you know, again, when you look at Nebraska and its path to making a bowl game, I think it, some of these swing games are probably going to come down to whether the defense can get a takeaway and set up the offense on a short field. So uh, I don't think it's going to be a comfortable victory for Nebraska uh, on Saturday night, but I do think uh, the defense will do enough and maybe they'll even help set up the offense with a timely takeaway. So there's your charge. Defense, you've been doing it all. Do even more. (laughs) (laughs) Score for us. Uh, Right? (laughs) Score, give them a short field. uh, Do whatever you can. I think it's going to be a rough go. And, and again, Northern Illinois, uh, in some ways, is is sort of what Nebraska is. So I would expect a low-scoring game. But, yeah, I think Nebraska ultimately pulls it out. Evan Bland with us from the Omaha World Herald. Evan, we'll see you Saturday night. Thanks for a few minutes. Thanks, guys. All right. More of your comments in the stream. Uh, you guys are on fire today in a great way. Uh, we'll get to those comments. We'll also hear from Satterfield. More on that frustration. Hail Varsity continues. 
Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, back with you, Hail Varsity. Open phones here till 540. Jock Doc on the way, 489-1240. Plenty to get into with your StreamYard comments. We will get through them. Roger says, really enjoy Evan Bland on the show. Uh, Roger, thanks for the email. We uh, have more comments. Uh, you have uh, David chiming in. And uh, David says, not easy being quarterback in Nebraska. The microscope magnified a thousand times. The pressure is huge. Don't doubt that. Don't doubt that at all with what Sims is going through. Uh, you have uh, more comments. And uh, let's get to... Here we go. Um, Chase chimes in. If Sims plays Saturday and has a turnover, will Rule change quarterbacks so the mob doesn't start uh, harming? Is that what he's trying to say? Harming the team rather than helping out at home? Do you have a glare on your computer screen? Is that what's going on? I need glasses, apparently. Uh, mm. See, he even has... Mostly proper. No, he doesn't have any punctuation in here. You struggle with that a little bit. No offense. That's not a... Most people do. Yes. Yeah. I need to... I'm trying to, to, to read on the fly here. And and her dizzle is like, look, it's not even the yips with Sims. Plenty of evidence to show who he is. And I agree with that. I agree I, with that. I, no, and, you've got too much history. And, and one of the things I've said yesterday, and again today when I made that analogy of the, the river, mm. is there does come... That glorious analogy. It was pretty good. No, I loved it. I, I, I thought it was good. It, was, it wasn't my best. But, I'm not, no. not going to sit here and tell you it's the best analogy I've ever made on this no, show. It's but good. I thought given the circumstances... It's mining for gold. It was solid. I think one of the things that will tell the story with Marcus Satterfield... In, in how he's doing with this offense is how well he's able to take some of the pressure off of Sims by how you adjust your game plan. You didn't think that Sims, according to what Satterfield has said, you didn't think based on what you saw in fall camp that the turnovers were going to continue to be this big of an issue through the first two games. Well, guess what? They have been. Now it's your job as a coach. If you still think that's the guy that gives you the best chance to win, how do you go eliminate some of those mistakes from a game plan point of view? How do you go out there and take the pressure some off? Some of it's and- not even game plan, though. That's the thing. Okay, Rule took the arrows for, for crowd noise. Brother, you played in the ACC. And I know Boulder was nuts, and I know it's 53,000 of your closest enemies. But at this point, with that crew, center, quarterback, should you have, should you have uh, snap problems? I mean, and it's not like they were surprise snaps. Yes, the, the motion, yeah, the deflection was bad. But the, the drop? The two drops. The two drops, the two fumbles. That's trying to get going where you're going before you secure the ball. Mm-hmm. That's being antsy. That's that's being able to handle the moment. That's the question. Is this a moment thing where he's too jumpy? And if that's it, I don't know that that's fixable. If that's it. If, if I said if that's it, I don't know if that's fixable. You either can handle the moment or you can't. You got to keep trying. I understand that part of it. But you got to find a way to settle him down. And listen, we don't know... There's been a lot of criticism on Satterfield. I get it because his track record wasn't great for some of us who've watched college football at South Carolina. Uh, and this is a new and different beast. 
I, I think we don't know how good or bad or ugly his play calling or game design is because he's had stupid, careless, mindless turnovers. It's not fair to hammer him other than, well, he's the guy who wanted Sims. I get it. And if you can fix him, God, it could be fun for Nebraska offensively. There, it, you're limited. You're, you're absolutely limited with what you can do, but there's enough there to go win. There's enough there to go win some tight ball games with the defense you got. I get why you, you, you roll the dice, but you need, a, you need an insurance policy, and you got to use that insurance policy at some point if the moment is too big. Well, and that's, that's kind of what I've been saying in that it's, I think it's too early to, for this to be an indictment on Satterfield just yet. You, you can say what you will about Sims. I, I think Satterfield has an opportunity knowing what the issues are with Sims. Sims has his issues as a quarterback. He's turnover prone. We know that. That's been proven at Georgia Tech. That's been proven through the first two games. What are you going to do now to try to take some of that pressure off? And if, if you can't change it through these next two games, this is the argument for having Sims tried out there against Northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. You have two great opportunities against two teams from a talent point of view, from what you have brought in. And I don't want to go recruiting rankings, but I'm going to go there. From what you have brought in, the resources that you have, you out-talent these next two teams on your roster. What can you do from an offensive point of view to limit those turnovers from Sims against an inferior opponent? If they continue, that's whenever you go, okay, now Harburg's the guy. But you do have an opportunity to change up how your offense is going to look moving forward, trying to take some of that pressure off of Sims, trying to not put him in positions where he's going to turn the football over. And, and if you make some adjustments and the same problems continue, that's whenever you go, okay, it's time for Harburg. But this is an opportunity for Satterfield. It's an opportunity for Sims. That's what I think the argument comes down to for keeping Sims in as your starting quarterback against Northern Illinois to say, hey, the first two, they didn't go how we wanted it to. Those are some tough opponents. We have some easier opponents coming up. Winnable football games. I hate saying that, but I'm going to. Winnable football games coming up. How are you as an offense going to adjust to try to, to limit what Sims is doing from a turnover point of view? And then what are you, Jeff Sims, going to do to, to turn this, this story on its head? You're in front of the home crowd here. They want you to do well. They want you to do well, but they're nervous you're not going to. If, if things start going poorly, they're going to turn on you quickly, but they're going to root for you up until that point. Sure. Winner tie, as they say. <laughs> Got your back, winner tie, uh, as long as you don't lose. And listen, Nebraska and Sims and Satterfield, it's fascinating to watch. You got to let them work through it. And it's been too soon to, to punt. Now, if he's not healthy... Let's see Harburg and build a game plan around him. Have we done the struggles and frustration yet? Yes, we have. Okay. Cut five. Do you regret the game plan and the decision-making with uh, what you've put into this these first two weeks? Uh, no, I don't have any really any second guessing about any of my calls on third down. There was, a, there was a couple early that, you know, going into it, Coach and I discussed just, you know, hey, we're backed up a little bit. Let's be smart. Let's get it completely, you know, as coach, you'll hear him say, like, let's get the ball and play and see if we can catch a run. Uh, so, other than that, you know, I'm, I'm, ple- I'm, I'm good with, with all the calls that I had on third down. So, he's not second-guessing. You can't rear-view mirror it, I understand. Comment in the stream also touches on Lloyd and Malachi. Uh, get them in the next two weeks. Give them something on the menu that they can eat and find a way to get them the football so they can at least get their feet wet, Elijah, for, for Michigan. Because they're, they're talented kids. They would help the offense, presuming you get serviceable quarterback play. Man, it, it's such a thing to watch guys that are ballyhooed 
and have all sorts of athleticism and have shown it, but not have consistency. And, and you're seeing that at quarterback. Last part here on the turnover topic, have they been surprising? Have they been an ongoing thing? No, it was uh... – it's really just popped up in the last two weeks to where, you know, it's been ma- to this magnitude uh, and just kind of really came to a head last week, you know. But, again, it's easy to say, you know, Jeff is all Jeff's fault. Like, there's all kinds of factors in those, you know, why he wasn't able to catch all those balls from, from under center with the motions and the snap timing and, the you know, having to go on the silent count and get the motion back there. So, um, you know, we've really worked at it. I hate to be reactionary. That sucks when you have to come in and be reactionary, but you know I think that we're we're off to a good start of making sure that we remedy that. Uh, you have a comment from Ken. Yeah, Coleman and Lloyd have been in, but they don't have any catches. Lloyd got, got Lloyd's got the yeah, one ender on. He's got the, the hand on the reverse, right? So good, you got him going, but you need to get them involved. They need a couple three catches uh, on top of what you've been getting the camp on top of getting Fedoni going. You got to see a. I want to see Grant. I want to see – you want to talk about Anthony Grant on the bench in Boulder and a guy that just was probably inching to get in to, to kind of right the wrong of the turnover. <laughs> There's no way they're, they're pointing to him on the bench after two fumbled snaps. There's no way they're turning to him. Well, well, and you, we talk about the lack of pass-catching options, how the freshmen need to stand up. How beneficial would it be to the passing game and – this is actually a legitimate question here. How beneficial would it be to the passing game if Ramir Johnson is a guy that he can flex out in the slot and use in the passing game more than as your RB2? If you can build up that trust in Grant and now you're not uh, breaking down Ramir Johnson as the game goes on because running between the tackles, that's what Nebraska wants to do. That's not Ramir Johnson's strong suit He's a, He's a tough runner, but he's, he's a tough he's runner. He'll, he, he'll willingly do it, but it's not what you want him doing. You no. want to get him, as I said yesterday, you want to get him with the ball in space. Some option outside like he did to get that big run against the Buffs. The other thing I want to see from Ramir, the routes you've seen from him have been intermediate, right? There's been a drop and then there's been a catch, but a gain of five. Get him on a linebacker on a wheel route. Get him getting vertical with that speed. Got to be able to complete it, but I think that's a matchup. Get him doing a drag route. I mean, there, there's a hundred things you can do with him. You're right. Get him to catch the football because he's a hell of a third down guy and uh, more option. Whoever's a quarterback, let's see some more option. I know I'm going throwback, but let's see some zone read. Let's see some option. Then let's see some play action off of both. And, and I think it's it's funny here that we're going through. This is more wants than needs, Schmitty. Well, some of the things we've just laid out with getting the freshman receivers on the field, I, I think – the end goal for what Matt Roll and Marcus Satterfield want from the offense at Nebraska is an offense that doesn't need to throw the ball to go beat Northern Illinois. You're going to need to throw the football against the likes of Minnesota and against Colorado. Balance. But in the long run at Nebraska, what, what development would be would be having an offense that you don't need to go chuck the ball around the yard to go beat Northern Illinois. You don't need to go take the top off the defense because you're picking up a consistent three, four yards running the ball on first down. You're picking up a consistent three, four, five yards on second down running the football. And then by the time the second half rolls around, those three and four yards are turning into eight and nine yards. And those seven and eight yards are turning into 15 and 20 yard runs. That's what the end goal, it, that's what they want their offense to be at Nebraska. Now, are you there yet? No. And does it make it a hell of a lot harder whenever you are turning the football over, whenever that is what you want your offense to be? 
Yes, it makes it a hell of a lot harder. So the, the first steps in development are not getting guys like Malachi Coleman and Jalen Lloyd on the field as nice of a boost they would be to your offense. The first step is protecting the football and having a rushing attack that against the likes of Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech, you can run the football even whenever they know you're going to run the football, kind of like we saw in the second half against North Dakota last year. Well, it, it's as simple as throwing the ball to set up the run and Nebraska's O-line, while better, can't just line up against a loaded box and get second and five every first down run. Especially whenever the you're playing teams like Minnesota and Iowa and Wisconsin exactly. and Michigan. So you got to have some semblance of a passing attack. Uh, Jock Doc's on the way. The latest on Aaron Rodgers. More Nebraska football thoughts as uh, we're rolling through a Wednesday. Tomorrow we are live at the Single Barrel. Awesome steakhouse. All sorts of whiskeys for you inside the graduate four to six tomorrow. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. We say hi to Dr. Brandon Seifert. Is Aaron Rodgers on the mind of many? There's a lot of pop up Jets fans, there's a lot of old school Jets fans that still have tears in their beer. Dr. Brandon, just a real cruel injury that you see from aging superstars, be it Marino or Charles Barkley. Now you have Aaron Rodgers to the list of uh, blown-out Achilles. Yeah, just brutal. Just brutal. You watch that video, it's it's pretty clear-cut what happened there. You know, we've, we've talked about a few of these on the show before. Uh, so if we think about, you know, what is an Achilles tendon tear, Achilles anatomically is basically if you kind of feel along the calf muscles in the back, follow your calf muscles down to your heel, there's kind of that thick cord that's right there. That's basically called the Achilles tendon, and that's essentially what he ruptured. Uh, most of the time when these things rupture, it's a few, maybe a one or two inches above where the uh, uh, tendon hooks into the heel part of it. Obviously a devastating injury, you know, long recovery, and again, you start to worry about what kind of effectiveness will you have after you come back after a, a big procedure or a treatment of one of these. Let's talk about the procedure and treatment. How do you guys go fix uh, the athlete that, that, that suffers from this? Yeah, so with the Achilles rush, it's kind of interesting. The, the uh, treatment for these really has kind of changed, especially for the general public. Um, I would tell you, you know, even just 10, 15 years ago, it was predominantly you have to have these fixed surgically. Um, there's been a couple of recent uh, research papers that have come out in the last several years that show some, some studies showing equivalent results with uh, surgical versus non-surgical treatment of Achilles tendon ruptures. Um, when you look at, you know, what's the re-rupture risk, when you look at what the kind of long-term is under appropriate tension, and then when you look at, you know, does their muscle ever quite regain all the function and strength back. And so kind of interesting looking at some of that data, and so that's a discussion we typically have with our patients about you can treat these non-operatively. Um, what's kind of missing from that data is how you approach these and your really high-level athletes, you know, your NFL players, professional athletes, collegiate athletes, how do you approach these in that um, subset of patients? Um, we don't really have clear-cut data on that. I would say predominantly at the higher-level realm, you know, your high school athletes, your collegiate athletes, special athletes, most of those are still getting fixed surgically, if not all of them, uh, would be kind of the, I would say, the standard of care, at least at this point at that level. It'll be interesting to see if that ever changes for that level. It's Dr. Brandon Seifert with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity Radio. And Dr. Brandon, 
From an Aaron Rodgers perspective, what we know about him, are there any alternative methods to fixing this Achilles tendon? Maybe some ayahuasca, maybe a darkness retreat, anything he can do there? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you know, in Boulder, those things probably work pretty well. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, interesting, there are some, uh, a lot of this involves essentially you know, sewing the tendon back together. So how you get there, I would say that's where kind of some of these newer techniques are coming into play. There's obviously the, the traditional, you know, incision on the back of the leg, putting in, you know, thick sutures to sew that together. That's kind of been the classically described procedure for this. But there's some other new ones out there. There's some what we call minimally invasive procedures where there's just a couple of small, tiny incisions that are being performed. Um, I would say this is, isn't really an area where a lot of, like, cadaver grafts have really taken hold, at least not for an initial Achilles. And an injury you're fixing, especially if it's pretty acute, we're typically not using cadaver grafts. Uh, but some of the different suturing technology, fixation technology, those types of things definitely are changing some. Uh, but it's still traditionally, you know, some type of suture being placed across the tendon defect, bringing it back together under good tension is that classic repair. What I will say has changed drastically is really more on the rehab side. As we've looked more at treating these, you know, non-operatively, and how aggressive you can be. I would tell you the weight-bearing after program has really kind of increased um, in terms of when can we do that. Oftentimes we'll have folks now weight-bearing somewhere between two to four weeks is a possibility, especially if it's a pretty acute tear, easy to put back together. Um, definitely doing more range of motion earlier on than we were before. And then as we've talked about before, thinking about trying to add some kind of biologics to it, some type of uh, you know tendon growth, some kind of tendon stimulator of sorts, that's also some of the newer technology that's out there, you know, utilizing PRP, which we've talked about before here. Is there maybe an opportunity to put some stem cells? Those kinds of things are also uh, kind of new potential things that we're utilizing. Dr. Brandon, does this rehab process change at all based on the age of Aaron Rodgers? He's on the uh, the upper side of 30, uh, near, damn near 39, 40 years old. 39, Elijah. And, and uh, I just want to get your take on, on whether or not the, I guess, the procedure uh -huh. and the rehab process changes based on somebody who's, say, 21, 22 years old, a college athlete, and someone like Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, so really it boils down to kind of that tendon quality. Um, if you have somebody who has kind of really poor kind of tendon quality, tendon tissue around that area, uh, then you're probably going to think about maybe slowing down their rehab. You might alter that some. But if he still has, you know, just great healthy tissue, no, I don't think you'd really change much of his rehab compared to, you know, say somebody younger in their 20s, even high schooler type. Um, one thing that could also, though, alter the, the uh, post-op rehab would be the type of tear someone has. Again, if there's really nice kind of thick ends of that tendon to bring back together, you can be pretty aggressive with those in terms of rehab. Sometimes you'll have those tears where, for lack of a better description, it's kind of like a bomb went off in there, and there's really not a lot of great tissue to sew back together. So it's a little bit more of a tenuous repair. You just want to kind of bring those two ends back together to the touch, and then you really need to be a little bit more careful with those. Uh, in terms of uh, kind of recovery and weight bearing afterwards. Dr. Brandon, it didn't sound like Aaron Rodgers is ready to retire. That's the word from Coach Sala with the Jets. So let's talk real quick about the road ahead for Rodgers and what could he be if and when he makes a return. Yeah, that's always the big question with these. So you take a guy, and if you're more of that kind of drop-backer drop back passer type, I think he'll be fine. I, just, I still think he'll have pretty good power there. Um, if you take somebody who's more of a you know, scrambler, doing more you know, 
running and throwing type routes, then he's probably going to struggle a little bit more. Uh, but you do see, obviously, in the NBA, you have players coming back that go back and play after an Achilles tendon. They're a little bit different, but they can still play pretty darn well. Um, and so I don't think this will have a, a huge impact for him as long as he rehabs it well, doesn't have any big setbacks along the way, and, again, really has hopefully you know fairly high-quality tissue uh, to put back together. I think he's got a pretty high high ceiling here to return back and do well. Dr. Brandon, is, is there, in your mind, from a biomechanical point of view, a difference between a left Achilles and a right Achilles for a quarterback? This is a left Achilles for Rodgers, so it's the it's not the one he's pushing off of, but it is the one he's transferring his oh, weight onto. Really is, is there a difference between the right and the left for that position? You know, it's a great question. I've always wanted that. No one has really studied that. It is interesting to think about that for a drop-back passer and even for a, you know, a pitcher as well. You know, if this is your push-off leg, and especially if this is your – you know, if you're a quarterback, you're a drop-back passer, and that's that back foot that you're planning and then transitioning forward, you really wonder how much of an impact does that have on quarterbacks at that level and with as quick as you need to be, fast as you need to be to do that. Um, I don't have a great answer to that. I think it would impact it some. Uh, the question would be, does it impact it enough where you would see a difference in their performance? Or more importantly, I guess, how they feel in terms of how quick they can kind of snap the ball and plant that foot. It would be a good study to do. Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. Aaron Rodgers, our topic. Dr. Brandon, we'll get caught up again. Thanks for your insight on this. Sounds great, Chris. You guys take care. Good stuff from Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Podcast, make sure you subscribe. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity. Also the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Segments you want or the entire show will wind down a Wednesday next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Check all of that out. Take us with uh, at your convenience. Do so, as always, uh, when it works for you. Full show or the segment you want to hear. So a couple of things to, to wind the show down with. One, we are inside the single barrel tomorrow, uh, quarter of ninth and P. Your friends inside the graduate, the single barrel, incredible steaks, chops, whiskeys. And uh, we're there Thursdays for home football week. So come see us. We'll be there uh, Saturday for pregame as well, 3 to 5. Excited for that. Uh, so be sure to check us out and make sure you frequent your friends at the Single Barrel. Uh, just incredible uh, when it comes to their uh, their chops, their, uh, their, their baked potatoes. Their, again, I'm going to say whiskeys, Elijah, because you and I both are like, whiskey sounds all right and just great weather. Reminder to get buckled up, use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries only if properly worn buckle up a message from the nebraska department of highway safety office on the show tomorrow gary barnett will join us thoughts on nebraska cu and nebraska the rest of the year specifically at quarterback we'll have the word from rule on jeff sims what he looked like at practice this afternoon and moving forward so Coach Rule, an update from him. Jabba Chamberlain going to talk some MLB with us. And I'm sure Jabba's got a Husker football take or two. He's been a big Red fan for a long time. 
And from Counter Reed, Brandon Vogel. Vogues will join us. So a loaded show on Thursday. Want to see you down at the Single Barrel on Thursday, 4 to 6. Want to see you at the Single Barrel, 3 to 5 on Saturday. Are you grilling tonight, or what are you doing? To be determined. Yeah? I don't know. I do have... They have these new... I'm not sure how new they are, but it says in the packaging new. Double cheddar hot dogs? They're like... Ooh. Hot dogs, but, but you're still the you're still gonna go nacho cheese on no, them. No, 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 no. Different kinds of too cheese. much cheese. Mac and cheese. Ah, you're gonna do hot dogs and mac and cheese. I'm I'm think I have I got the mac, which I do. I know I do. I got the hot dogs. The package has already been opened. Okay. I mean, it's is is it high class? No, is it high? No, quality? but it's 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 high awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is I'm gonna enjoy the hell out of it. So I grilled last night. I did as well. Oh, I did. I I went uh, with the the pan seared steak. Oh, you did you? You you get you get your um, the cast iron. Yeah, I did do your cast iron. I have a ceramic encoded cast iron made by La Cruze. See, you got to go with the uh, the lodge cast iron. Well, see, and I I have like the original cast irons, mm-hmm. but this this I I I got the secret down for the La Cruze, the the, the pan seared steak. I've been doing it perfect. Yeah. You put it in the oven afterwards. No, then? no, no, no. no. Nice, grill? medium high. Okay. A little oil in the pan. Okay. You, you let it sear ninety seconds. Just let yes. it go. Big. Let, make sure that oil is smoking in the pan. Let it sear. What I found out, new. New information to me, a pan seared steak. If you want the perfect sear, next 45 to 60 seconds, just take that steak and slowly move it around the pan. Yeah. When it, the professionals don't, do. don't look at it. Just slowly move it around the pan. You've got to flip it over, and it's going to have that perfect sear. And then uh, you do the same on the other side, then a little bit of a butter baste up on top to make sure you finish the cooking process. And that thing came out a perfect medium rare. It was lovely last night. I went medium rare. I did uh, about a pound and a half t-bone it was glorious i didn't post any pictures i'm tempted to but that may annoy some but next time i will but yeah uh, i didn't have to share with anybody last night it was me and the pups it was good back at four again single barrel tomorrow see you there on hail varsity a hood at media production Heard at Sports Radio, every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. On Thursday's show, we'll have staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman. We'll talk the odds with our Vegas insider, Brian Edwards. Catch it up with senior writer for Huskers 24-7, Michael Brunts, and Nebraska women's basketball head coach, Amy Williams. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports. Heard at Sports Radio with Ravi Lula and Damon Benning.